if you don't have a representative to stand up for you, a lot of times you're, you're silenced in the shadows. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I am your host, Rick Jordan. Today, my guest, founder and managing attorney at Razavi Law Group, graduated at the top of his class at UCLA, and 31 years old, Ali Razavi successfully manages a multi-million dollar civil litigation practice focusing on personal injury and employment law. This is going to be fun, and I want to welcome you to the show. Ali, what's up, my brother? What's going on? Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm 31. I'm in Orange County, California. We practice civil litigation all throughout California, uh, dipping into Nevada now and just trying to uh, put our footprint as much as possible. That's cool, man. I dig that. We're not going to, for everyone listening, we're not going to talk like boring stuff today. No, this is going to be real deal. You know, and I'm, I've, I'm curious. I have questions. You know, it's good that I have a lot of clients in the cybersecurity realm that RPI firms. So I know a lot of the ins and outs and the intricacies, but I'm curious because to me, there seems like this kind of like a shift. Now, correct me. I, I want to hear your take on this because there's like the old school way of doing PI, right? <laughs> for, for, for personal injury. And now there's this new, you know, amazing group of people like yourself that's kind of coming in and really using new tactics and almost taking more of a human approach, it seems to me. How do you feel about that? Absolutely. Uh, I agree with you. Back in, let's say, even before my time, let's say the 80s and 90s, it was very uh, volume-based. Um, it still is, but most personal injury attorneys, they're doing very high volume. Uh, they're just a number gathering dust in a drawer, and they're just moving these files. And what the I'd say the newer generation is doing, they're really getting to know the clients, the human factor, just like you nailed on the head. Um, one part of the thing in a personal injury case is called general damages or pain and suffering. Um, that's basically the inconvenience of going through a car accident, the frustration. And when I say car accident, that's just a main one, but any type of injury that's caused from a third party. But the, the human factor is, is having to go through this car accident. There's a dollar amount for that. And you really need to know your client to be able to explain that to the insurance company to the defense attorneys. Um, you have to properly be able to step into the client's shoes and really know them and how it's affected their life. And to talk about the human factor, that's what we do. We tell a story to the other side about who our client was and uh, real people with real injuries, and it's really affected their lives. And it might affect their lives for years to come. And it's our job as the attorney to kind of explain that to the other side. I love that. And, you know, because you think of attorneys and of course it's like attorneys and dentists are the two two types of people that most don't ever want to deal with in their life right <laughs> it's, it's it's there's that stigma that exists but that human side that's starting to pop up i'm really enjoying this because it, it's actually it's not necessarily even well what you said it is completely that i guess to where you're trying to learn your clients more but at the same time it shows a more human side of you you know and paints, paints an attorney in a completely different light Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the term ambulance chaser and uh, things oh, yeah, like that. Dude, yeah. I, 
you know, when I was, when I was going to law school, that was the last thing I want to do is personal injury. I just, you know, you've been brainwashed throughout the years. This is, this is not what you want to do as a lawyer. Um, but it truly, it truly is rewarding. There's a right way to do things, obviously. And if you step into their shoes and you represent, you know, the voiceless and you help the little guy against a big corporation at the end of it, I think it's the most rewarding thing. I can't imagine doing anything else at this point. And Personal injury was like the bottom of my totem pole when I first started. Well, that was one of my questions, dude. It's like out of all the areas of law, right? And you're saying, you know, everyone stays away from it. How did you end up settling on personal injury? You know, I think personal injury ended up finding me because um, I was trying to run away from it, to be honest. I, I always thought I was going to do something like very highbrow uh, corporate litigation or intellectual property. Um and then you realize when you go out on your own, you're not going to find, you know, a Fortune 500 company every day that's going to retain you as a brand new attorney. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, people are looking for uh, your everyday person is generally looking for an attorney to help them deal with insurance claims, uh, especially in California. So those types of cases started coming to me early on. And, you know, I, I kind of cast it a wide net. I was, I was that general practitioner that did everything. Uh, and that didn't really work out because nobody wants nowadays, because it's so specialized, nobody wants a jack of all trades, right? You want to be a master of something because everyone's an expert in some type of sector now. So the days of being a general practitioner of doing every type of law, let's say wills and trusts, criminal defense, personal injury, immigration, um, you know, you're paying someone to represent you. And if they don't know this cold and the attorney on the other side knows it better than you, well, guess what? You just lost the case for your client. Open yourself up to malpractice too. Um, there's so much more law now that it really needs to be compartmentalized. So when I, when I did cast that net, uh, car accidents started coming my way. And I did have some experience during law school working at um, some, some pretty uh, notable and, and, big personal injury law firms. Uh, so I, I did get to experience that and I knew what I was doing at least, but that was the type of business that was available to me when I first started on my own. Yeah. So it just kind of found you then exactly what you were saying that just started coming across your plate. That's awesome. What, what were the first couple of cases like, you know, for you, how, how did that yeah, play out? You know, uh, were you a little shaky? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, imagine you're, you know, I'm, I'm 31 now, so I, I started my practice immediately out of, out of, I mean, once I became an attorney, I basically started my practice. So I was about 26 years old. Um, I, I put up a little desk in my bedroom at my parents' house and I had a PO box and I had a Google voice number. And, uh, you know, no one's going to be knocking on an attorney's door that just started, right. You know, he's been an attorney for two and a half hours. So you're Dude, looking this for, is important for everyone to hear though. Right. Cause a lot of people want to get into law because they're thinking big money. You know, but it's a, it's the same thing. It's like you always start at the bottom or even if you start in a firm, you start as what a clerk, right? And then you may, might move into a paralegal and then you finally become an attorney, an associate attorney. Then you might become a, might become a partner. You know, if you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I guess, you know, there's a, there's a reason for that. There's, there's so much law to learn, uh, to go out, go out there without having that type of knowledge. I mean, you're, you're really exposing yourself, I guess, uh, to malpractice and, and other things. So you have to, shred with caution. But the first couple months I was doing, you know, contract work for other attorneys. So the attorneys that weren't big enough to hire another lawyer, but they had overflow work. I was doing hourly work for them. I would show up to court for the, the lawyers that couldn't make it to court. I'd do appearance work for them. Um, so, you know, there's, 
there's ways to make money as a lawyer. And somebody in law school once sold me this, an attorney told me this, and it kind of stuck with me for the rest of you know my career so far. They said having a law license is a license to print money if you do it properly. Uh, you'll, you'll never be out of work completely with a law license. If you kind of start thinking outside the box, there's things you can do because you're an officer of the court at the end of the day. So uh, at the minimum, you know, if you have a pulse and you show up to court on behalf of another lawyer, you're going to get paid for that. Um, so that was like, that was my first couple months until, until those car accidents that I mentioned, until they started picking up. And uh, it was, it was early on that this uh, case that was all over the news, it was a big car accident. Uh, it's Christmas, Christmas Eve, a girl gets rear-ended, 26 year old girl gets rear-ended and she ends up in a coma. Um, she ends up contacting the biggest law firm in our area. Uh, you know, I won't name names because some people might disagree with <laughs> my assessment, but, uh, biggest law firm. And you know what, that law firm happened to do a different type of law, but my friend's fiance happened to take the phone call at that law firm. She was a partner at that law firm. And she said, Hey, you know what? We don't do these cases. Like I know it's a very big case. Maybe you should call Resolvi Law Group. And I, I remember getting that call two months into being an attorney. Like, just is this really on my plate right now? And uh, got the client. The client retained us. And I want to say within maybe thirty days, we resolved that case. You know, for six figures. Oh wow, that's and speedy. <laughs> super. I mean, super. Good and that's, God. That was the first time, and you know, beyond the money, it gave me confidence. I was like, you know what, I, this case was all over the news, and you know, I, I got the policy limits, and uh, you know, the case was basically done for me. It was handed to me at that point, but um, it, it gave me the confidence to replicate that and do more of it because I think as a new attorney, you're just afraid the whole time. You know, you're very afraid to do anything. Um, so that's that was kind of the beginning when I first started, and and gave me a little bit of seed money to to start marketing and and you know get an office and things like that. That's awesome, man. So it's cool because you're a big self-starter, I can see with this too. And that's, uh, it's the same in any industry, you know, th that I've talked about, you know, almost even like a musician, right? It's like, there's nobody out there really that's going to just like open up the floodgates and welcome you into their kingdom. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know like all of a sudden you, you have you have your law degree, you pass the bar, then nobody's like waiting for you to arrive, you know, <laughs> no, no <laughs> you still got to hustle. It's like when you when you do that, you know, now it's actually like your starting line is at that point. You know, so, you know, so that was five years ago, right? Yeah, that's that four and a half years. Yeah, coming on five years and, and you're right, getting getting the law license was a ticket to play now. Yeah. Like yep. that was my entry. Right on. It, it, there wasn't like trumpets or anything like that, dude. It was just, <laughs> no. you know, it, it wasn't like a job for you where you, you could walk in and there's like a shortage of attorneys for big firms or anything like that. That's the case in every industry though. You know, the, you always have a starting point and the starting point is usually after you get, you gain a lot of the knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can actually go out and actually hustle for the first time, which is great. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and kind of how I looked at it is, you know, I was, I was 26 and, and you know, you're, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're close to 26. But you remember when it was like to be 26, you're, you're hungry, right? You're hungry. And these are potentially the best years of your life to work. Right. And are you going to, you know, work for someone else? Or are you going to put those hours and sweat equity for yourself and try to build something for the long term? And that's, that's kind of what I was thinking because um, you know, you could, the, the traditional conventional way, conservative way, work at a law firm. And what you, what you mentioned, 
junior associate, then become an associate, then become a senior associate, then maybe one day become a partner. But, you know, next thing you know, 10, 15 years of your life is gone. And that's when you want to start a law firm. It's just, it's, you've lost a lot of time at that point. Yeah, you've learned no a lot, but you've lost a lot of time. For sure. And there's good, there's different fits for different people too. You know, that, that may be the path for someone to take and that's okay. Cause I mean, you, it, people feel like they fit in, in certain different things. You know, I was never that fit in kind of person. You know, it's like, I, I love building the teams and have collaborative forms of styles of leadership, you know, and that was great, but it, it was always, I never really wanted to climb that ladder. I feel you that that's awesome for, from a law perspective, you just went on and do it. So side note, right. How do you feel about Better Call Saul? I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Better Call Saul. Uh, I like it. How uh, accurate is it? <laughs> there's, I mean, definitely in the the criminal defense sector, it's it's <laughs> it's it's common. It's common to have that guy, and that's you know that's a type of attorney maybe I'd want too in that sector, right? You want that guy that you know is going to roll up his sleeves and and be there uh, for the good and the bad. Um, not to say that other attorneys shouldn't, but. Um, I think Better Call Saul was appropriate for what he does, if you were to ask me. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. But I mean, in, in that spinoff series too, it's exactly what we're talking about right now is that he had to start off in that. And it's funny because you say that, you know, that, like the, the PI just kind of fell in your lap. It was like elder law for him just kind of fell in his lap. And it was just something that happened. You know, he thought he was going to, he started with contract work and reviewing all this other stuff too. It's cool. Cause I think it's an important point that you're making and that what you start doing right now, it could be more broad and you might be able to figure out exactly what you like and don't like along the way. And then you're able to just kind of hone in on something over time. That's huge for an entrepreneur, man. Uh, absolutely. And it's I okay remember to not have it all figured out. Right. <laughs> And yeah, like I'm definitely still learning. Uh, but I remember when I first cast that big wide net of, hey, I do all these types of laws. You know, there's there's certain practitioners that, hey, you know, you, you probably shouldn't do that. You probably shouldn't say that. Uh, nobody wants, you know, the jack of all trades. And, and that was that was good advice. But I think what you just mentioned, if I didn't cast that wide net, I don't even know what I liked. Uh, it was too early on to know what I would have liked or what I was good at, for example. For sure. Let's talk about last year because we're talking about the hustle, right? How did the pandemic affect your practice? Uh, the pandemic affected our practice tremendously. Uh, as I mentioned, I, I handle a lot of car accidents, um, you know, car accidents, slip and falls, dog bites. But our bread and butter is car accidents. Uh, so many vehicles coming, especially in Southern California, coming and going. When a quarantine happens, no one's driving anymore. Right. So. So, uh, and I'll take it a step back. We have basically two types of personal injury lawyers. You have the lawyers that are, they're called pre-litigation lawyers where they just settle cases all day, which nothing wrong with that. And then you have the litigation attorneys that, you know, go to court and, you know, hit the home runs in front of a jury. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, and then you have kind of the hybrid that does a little bit of both. Um, we were prior to the pandemic, we're predominantly a pre-litigation law firm. You know, we're, we're getting high resolutions. And it, it just made sense not to file a lawsuit. We would file a lawsuit if need be, but we're resolving majority of our cases with that. Now, when a pandemic hits and a quarantine happens, uh, you have less people driving. So those brand new fresh cases, there's less of them. And then the court cases, the trial attorneys, there's no trial because courts are closed. So I, I kind of realized that middle part, that middle hybrid of doing pre-litigation and litigation, you know, you kind of have to morph into that because the insurance companies knew that the ones that weren't filing a lawsuit, 
that didn't have the infrastructure to go to court, you're going to get a very low offer right now because there is no court. Yeah. And the yeah. ones that do, what was that? Oh, I was just agreeing with you. You're yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. And the ones that go to court, there is no court. So they're kind of high and dry too, but there is litigation. There is filing a lawsuit, doing discovery, doing that middle ground where you can get better value than the pre-litigation, but you don't necessarily have to go all the way to court. So um, when the pandemic happened, two things happened. A lot of personal injury attorneys stopped marketing. Uh, they decided to get rid of their staff. They uh, kept a very close knit and, you know, kept their money close to their chest because they didn't know what tomorrow was going to look like. What I did was a little bit different um, because nobody was marketing. I doubled down on marketing um, because marketing was a lot yes. cheaper too. Amen. I put it all on black. I said, you know, yep. if it hits, it hits. And if it doesn't, you know, we're, I'm in a pandemic, I have an excuse. <laughs> so double down on marketing. And then I started hiring uh, trial attorneys and I hired more paralegals to do the litigation aspect. And I, I want to say our firm probably grew twice as big uh, this last year, just, just by making those simple adjustments. That's awesome, man. I saw this in a lot of industries too, was there was a lot of retreat, you know, and, and of course it was fear at the beginning, but that's the same thing I did, dude. And I doubled my revenue too in cybersecurity just because it doubled down on everything. You know, I hired more people. It was great, you know, and we went after some, some different types of revenue streams, exactly what you're talking about, how you morphed into that hybrid from just being pre-litigation. That's incredible. You saw the opportunity, dude. Well done. That's fantastic. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, on that note, and don't quote me on this, but I, I did hear that the Chinese character for chaos is two characters. It's the character for opportunity and the character for uh, crisis. So, so it's, it's uh, and I take that back. It, yeah, yeah. So it's crisis and opportunity. So, so in, take that back. The Chinese character for crisis is opportunity and chaos. So in every crisis, there is opportunity and there is chaos, right? It just depends on how you want to look at it. And that's that's why I decided to double down and do kind of what everyone wasn't doing. Because uh, when you follow the the masses, I mean, you're just following the masses at the end of the day. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there was a lot of, I heard a lot of that going into it too. And I saw it as an opportunity as well. And there was a lot of naysayers and a lot of critics that came about i'll call them haters man because they're like oh you know you're you're the pandemic's such a horrible thing you know how can you say that this is the, just a world of opportunity right now you know and the, aren't you taking advantage of the state of people that they're in and i was thinking the same thing. i'm like my competitors are freaking running away with their tail between their legs you know so am i not doing everyone a service by doubling down because now there's this gap that i'm able to fill that's the opportunity is because everybody else is scared and running away. I can step and be like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. Can I help you? Yeah, that's exactly. It. I mean, scared money doesn't make money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Scared money doesn't make money. Oh my gosh. That's going in our show notes for sure, man. <laughs> yes. so, what was, uh, what was the most interesting case that you've re really ever dealt with so far? Cause you've been practicing what five years now, about five years, yeah. five years. Um, there's, there's a few, there's a few cases, but I think one you remember one forever. To, yeah. One, one that really came to mind for me was, um, it was, it was about two years ago and, uh, this, this transient, this, you know, uh, person, you know, for lack of better words, they're homeless. And I was at a Starbucks, you know, and I, I usually wear a suit every day, you know, even if I'm not going to court, I'll wear a suit. So, you know, go to Starbucks, get a coffee and, this transient comes up to me and he says, 
hey, are you a lawyer? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a lawyer. He's like, do you think you can help me out? And I'm in line at Starbucks and he hands, hands me this tattered, tattered. I mean, he's probably had it in his back pocket for eight months. Police report. And a car had hit him and he had broken multiple bones and uh, nobody would take him seriously because he was homeless. Um, and it was the craziest thing to me that this gentleman walked up to me asking if I was a lawyer of all things. And then, and then seeing this police report and seeing how he kind of was treated this last year, because you have to imagine, I mean, if you're homeless and you don't have health insurance, you're walking on broken bones outside in the cold for an entire year. No, no real medical care, uh, nothing. And so uh, I said, you know what? It uh, looks, looks like something there. Um, if you want, you know, the guy doesn't have a phone, doesn't have anything. He's homeless. I said, meet me here tomorrow at the same time. And uh, I'll bring you some documents. And so the next day he, he showed up uh, same time, same place. And I signed him up and we've, we represented him. We fought the insurance company. It was, and you know, what's crazy is the, the police report had even put him at fault. Um, homeless pedestrian that gets hit by a car, the police what? report puts him at fault. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you just, you know, our, our slogan is let your voice be heard because I mean, if you don't have a representative to stand up for you, a lot of times you're, you're silenced in the shadows. And so uh, taking that case on and, and fighting the other side, and then we ended up obtaining, you know, the top dollar policy, a policy limit is the maximum an insurance can pay. So we ended up getting the maximum insurance and uh, we got him that. And he, he wrote me a note that basically said, uh, you know, thanks to you guys, I'm able to buy a home and I'm no longer homeless. And it, it was one of the most touching stories and uh, one of the cases that we've helped out someone's life so much from, you know, racks to riches. Uh, it, it's always going to be something that I remember about, you know, it kind of keeps me going when I do this, that there are people out there that uh, my line of work really helps them and changes their lives. And um, they just need someone to believe in them. Dude, there's so much to pull from from that story, too. You know, it's, you know, he had tragedy that was in his life, but yet it's like all things work together for the greater good in that. And something I see you in this story too, because you said that you wore a suit into Starbucks, you know, and you always wear a suit, which means that you're all, you, it's like your uniform, right? You're all, you're always ready to play <laughs> wherever you go. And because there's a certain, let's be straight up, right? There's a certain stance that a confident attorney can have. But when you have all those things working together, the stance, the way you talk, and then also the way that you dress, your uniform, you can be picked out of a crowd. And, and in that moment, he's able to walk up and be like, hey, the, here's someone that can help. So if you want to call it divine appointment or whatever else, it doesn't matter. But the fact is that both of you were like in that place at that time and like ready for each other because just because you were ready, you were ready for each other just because you were ready. Absolutely. That, that's so important, man, because it's what I had something said about me a little. It was I was on stage uh, in a, at an event just a couple of weeks ago, a live event, not in California because it's California. It was in Florida. <laughs> but I walk in, it's like, dude, it's like you always look the same, but you're wearing different clothes. It's like, yeah, it's an image. I'm always dressed to play. You know, it, it's Absolutely. it's strategic. In that realm and so many people can miss that boat too i'm even talking on weekends dude it's always the same thing i'm sure you're not wearing suits on a weekend but still there's an aura that's about you because of what you do and that's how you always have to show up 
you know, you were ready because you both were ready. I love that. Yeah, we were both ready. And and I'm I'm with you on that. I I make that a big deal in this in my law firm, you know, dress how you want to be addressed. You know, a, a lot of times we're not going to court, we're just on the phones and you just feel more confident. I mean, that conversation is just going to go better when you feel good about yourself. I think, I think the way that you dress is very important. Um, not even from, you know, uh, a shallow standpoint, it, it makes you feel better about yourself. I think, uh, it makes you more confident and then it shows up in your work product. For sure, brother. I mean, even today, right? A lot of times I do the podcast and just a t-shirt because it's what I do on the show. But then I'm like, oh yeah, you're an attorney. And then I see your suit. I'm like, I'm gonna throw my jacket on, you know, because I, <laughs> I want to match the energy. You know, that, that that's the same thing. So I want to be ready for you. And that's why I'm here and I've got my jacket on too. It's how it rolls. So dude, I'm gonna switch gears just for a quick second on this because I'm in tech, right? I'm in cybersecurity. And how is tech playing a role in what you're doing right now, especially growing, dude? Because I mean, that's got to it's great that you doubled your size last year, but that's got to come with its pain points too. And how are you implementing tech to help you with that? Yeah. So and tech's playing a big, big part. Um, first and foremost, our law firm is completely paperless. Um, everything's paperless. Like you're not going to find, I mean, maybe some documents downstairs with the trial attorneys, but for the most part, everything's electronic. Uh, right when we get our mail, it gets scanned and then it gets uploaded into the cloud. You know, we use, Dropbox, uh, we have a case management software. So it's very modern in the sense that you're not going to find files everywhere, even though we have, you know, hundreds of clients or whatnot. So things are paperless, things are on the cloud. Uh, we have a case management software to kind of keep track of everything. And and any attorney can physically probably pick up any file if a client calls and, and can follow up with the client on where they left off. So it's pretty seamless in that sense. I don't think prior law firms with the paper files and things like that, uh, they're able to just pick up and go with someone or, or speak to a defense attorney on a matter. Um, that plays, that plays tech plays there. Um, social media, as far as marketing goes, um, you know, I have my own, uh, I have my own Instagram. The law firm has its own Instagram and, uh, people are on, people are on social media a lot. So as far as getting clients, uh, it used to, it used to be just radio and billboards, right? That was, radio billboards and TV, but now you get to be in front of thousands of audience by being on social media. So, uh, tech, tech definitely plays a role there. And then what's recent that I'm, I'm learning about too, is uh, a, a tedious part about what we do is, you know, the discovery phase. It's, it's, oh, you know, yeah, man. The, yep. the other side is going to ask you just thousands of questions and you have to, you know, type up on a word document, their question, your answer. Um, now there's, uh, and I'm learning about this. Now there's tech companies that will give you a shell. You'll, you'll give them the discovery and then they'll give you everything typed up. And then you just fill in, fill in, uh, the answers that the client needs to say. So it text text changing. I mean, a lot of things. And then obviously with the pandemic happening, we're doing a lot on zoom. I'm, I mean, we're taking depositions on zoom. We're doing mediations on zoom. We're doing hearings, you know, a lot of court call going on now. So uh, it's it's interesting to see what you can do virtual now. Oh yeah, it saves a lot of that time running to and from court for sure, dude. Right on, or even even bringing clients in, you know, because it's the days of you know sitting waiting in the the lobby, you know, on the on the comfy couch for your attorney to be ready. Now you can actually schedule and stay on time with things too. I, I would assume it's like, okay, how many Zoom calls do I have today? All right, I just have to keep my pace. <laughs> yeah, it's, fa it's exactly a fantastic it. experience. I love that. Do you are you into 
using any sort of AI yet, even for the discovery process? Yeah, that, that would be the next step. What I just mentioned. Um, I think I'm, I'm open to it. Um, the, the one thing, and you know, there's a lot of AI also for, uh, in personal injury, we review medical records. So you have AI that reviews medical records, but I think until AI can show up to court and represent someone in trial, I, I don't know how, you know, it, it's helpful, but I don't think it's going to take over what we're doing. Um, because there, I mean, there's so, there's so much, you know, the human factor, for example, I don't know how much AI can pick up about that uh, to ultimately make this entire process uh, hands-free and seamless. Uh, it's, it's tough to say, but I'm definitely open to it, but I think there's, uh, there has to be some type of boundary with the AI because there's certain things for today that you can't have an, you can't replicate an attorney still. For sure, no doubt, especially analyzing that data, like you said, from the human aspect. There's stuff that I'm sure there's certain, you know, pre-conclusions that AI could come to in a specific case, but it's always going to need that review. Dude, it's the same in cyber, for real, and, and that is like legit the tech space. But my emphasis is like there's still a human side to this. You know, what's the motive? Because if we know the motive behind the breach, behind the hackers, then we can actually determine what the the end game is for them and what type of data they might be going after. And then we can stop it in its tracks because we're looking at it from the human side. Because a, a hacktivist or, you know, a, a cyber criminal is going to have a different motivation than a nation state, you know, it's a, like China or Russia or something like that. You know, there's going to be different end games for both of those. And that determines the type of data that they're going after. There's still that human side to it. Being a, you know, in this space with car accidents, what do you see now? Because I know this is big in California too. What, what do you see now when it comes to self-driving cars? You know, and those types of things, you know, Tesla's, I mean, even my BMW has that, you know, a new BMW I got. I had a, a Cadillac a few years ago. The reason I got the Cadillac was for its self-driving on the highway, I could completely take my hands off everything and do that stuff looks at your retinas or your pupils that has an infrared camera in the GM wow. vehicles to make sure you're paying attention. It's pretty sick. Wow. And I've been in cars now in Vegas to where it's completely automated lane changes and everything else. You know, that's the next level of autonomy for, for vehicles going from casino to casino. How do you see this playing into your law practice? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the biggest fear. I mean, that's the kryptonite to any personal injury firm, right? It's it's a big fear. Uh, it's the inevitable. But I don't think, from the research that I've done, I don't think it's going to be uh, self-autonomous anytime soon. Um, there's issues still. I mean, there's there's times when I'm driving, and I, I don't know the fork in the road. I don't know which direction to go. Um, there's things like that that, you know, a self-driving car, they're going to make mistakes. And that's a lot of these car accidents that are happening with the automated vehicles is it's confusing the roadway is confusing um and is it worth losing a life over trying to you know it's technology i mean you know you have to do a cost benefit analysis you know how many lives are we going to lose before this thing becomes self-autonomous um I, I think it's definitely something that's going to happen uh, but with that right with with this taking place there's going to be a lot of products defect cases right the vehicle is going to be defective there's that type of law that's going to yeah, open up too yeah. And at that point, who do you end up suing? <laughs> is it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> was it the driver? Well, what if the driver wasn't even touching the wheel and the vehicle was engaged in autonomous? I mean, yeah, that, that's an interesting exactly. conundrum. Yeah. 
<laughs> we'll just call him more, more call pockets him. or less pockets. I don't know. Right on. Yeah, we'll just call him Bob. You know, Bob was driving today. That's what we're going to call him. Who's Bob? <laughs> well, 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 he's the vehicle. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Let, let's end with this, man. Because what advice do you have for someone who's looking for a PI attorney? Okay. What, what I would truly look for is... Uh, you know what? I, I would I would advise them to do their due diligence uh, on the law firms, right? Uh, even if they get recommendations from friends and family, do their due diligence. You know, read read the reviews, read the testimonials, watch the testimonials. Um, you just want to make sure that the law firm. You know, a lawyer isn't like a Rolex, right? You're not going to go to five different Rolex stores get the same exact Rolex for a cheaper price. You, you know, you're kind of going to get what you pay for. Do so you want to see, you know, what is, what is the relationship between most of their clients and the law firm, right? Assuming that the reviews are real. And then what I'd also want to know is, do they practice personal injury or are they, are they a family law attorney that does car accidents, you know, two car accidents a year, right? It's very important. It's very, again, it's very specialized and the insurance companies, they recognize the law firms that are doing this because they see the names all the time. So it's a bit of credibility that you have already with the insurance companies, as opposed to, Oh, I just picked up my first car accident. Um, if, if you're a brand new, uh, if you're an attorney that's doing personal injury for the first time, uh, it's the same as you being a person doing personal injury for the first time. And the insurance company is not going to put too much credence because you don't know what to ask for. You don't know what to demand. You don't know what type of coverages there are. You're really leaving money on the table. So I, I'd really tell them to look at the customer reviews, make sure that they do personal injury. And um, and really, that's that's the two biggest things, in my opinion. That's awesome, man. Everyone can find you at RazaviLawGroup.com, R-A-Z-A-V-I, LawGroup.com. You said you're on Instagram. Where can everyone find you on social? Uh, yeah, uh, you can find me at uh, my, my personal page is... Uh, it's from Aladdin, but it's Prince Ali. Nice. Uh, <laughs> that's P-R-I-N-Z underscore Ali, A-L-I. Or you can find us at a law firm. It's Rizavi Law Group. Very cool. Ali, thanks for being on today, my man. I had a good combo with you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520 follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan and I approve this message.